the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your best, uh, the best star of Cardinals talk on the web. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site covering the Arizona Cardinals. And this is one of our 14 shows in 14 days, the opponent preview series, where we talk to one of, most of the time, one of the managing editors of our sister sites for the Arizona Cardinals opponents. Uh, and in this case, we are in the NFC East for... Um, a team that was a longtime rival, but they never thought much of us when we were in the NFC East because the Cardinals were terrible. Uh, Katie Drummond from Cowboys Wire. Katie back on the show, in fact, um, after it's been a couple years, but we seem to play each other kind of regular. Katie, welcome to the show. How you been? I'm good, Jess. How are you, my man? Oh, it's great to have you back. I always enjoy that. Um, so, also... Let's go look. Let's look at the Cowboys season last year. The NFC East, a very, very competitive. Um, yes, where the worst team was a 500 team essentially, uh, and but it was dominated ultimately by by the Eagles. But the Cowboys were right there, 12 and five, uh, second place in the division. They they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, ending Tom Brady's career essentially. Yes. And yes. and then go on to to lose to Brock Purdy of the 49ers in the no. divisional round. <laughs> Brock Purdy managed to beat everyone except the Eagles, who tore his a, a, a elbow up. So, yep. tell me about last season. Did it meet or exceed expectations, or did they fall short? Um, I think, in general, you have to look at it as meeting expectations. Uh, they made it to the playoffs. They were on the road. I mean. Nobody's uh, defended the NFC East crown in 20-something years. So if you look at it from that perspective, the Cowboys weren't supposed to win the NFC East. Uh, but I think it was a shock for most people that Jalen Hurts played as well as he did, uh, that Jonathan Gannon had an offense catered to Jalen Hurts' uh, skill set the way that he did to allow them to excel. Uh, so that caught people by surprise. Uh, but it feels like unfinished business simply because of the fact that the Eagles defeated Cooper Rush. The Cowboys defeated Gardner Minshew. And we never got a chance to see what happens when Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts meet up on the big stage uh, with Hurts being an actual competitive quarterback. Because in the past, I mean, the Cowboys have owned the Eagles for the last several years. But seeing this new and improved Eagles team, we never got the chance to make that statement. And uh, we kind of got embarrassed in San Francisco. No shame in losing to that defense, having that defense shut you down. And no. we can talk, you know, get more in depth about the reasons that the Cowboys fell short after they absolutely throttled the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a week earlier. Um, but yeah, all in all, I would say that making it to the uh, divisional round was probably the ceiling for the offense. The defense could have taken them all the way if the cards had fallen a little bit differently. But they faced, honestly, a defense that was just as good as. Dallas's was, and uh, they just weren't able to get over the hump on offense. They just didn't have enough weapons. Now, for all of the warts that Brock Purdy has about arm strength and so on and so forth, um, that Kyle Shanahan system is just phenomenal. It is, uh, as you know very well. Yes. Uh, it's 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 very 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 quarterback friendly. 
And he did enough in that game. I mean, we held him to 19 points. It's not like we had a bad defensive effort. Right. Uh, and when when your offense isn't doing anything to hold in the pump to 19 points, you know that you, you're pretty proud of that. Uh, but, yeah, our offense just didn't have the weapons uh, that that were necessary to win that game. We lost Tony Pollard before halftime, no wide receivers. And when you're playing a D'Amico Ryan's defense, you kind of get exposed. You know, that's kind of what the 49ers do. They figure out how to expose your weakness. And for the Cowboys, it was that Dak Prescott did not have many weapons to go to. And he panicked, made a couple bad decisions. Um, one that was crucial, that pretty much lost in the game before halftime. And then one later in the game when they were trying to uh, come back, um, that was a dropped interception or, you know, a turnover worthy play as they call it. Uh, but yeah, he didn't play a good game and we got burned by it. And now they're back to the drawing board, seeing what they can do in 2023. How do Cowboys fans still feel about Dak Prescott? We see the, we Ooh. see that. I, I know like my son describes him as black Kirk cousins. That's that's harmful. That, 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 is, that is very harmful. He is he is a much better quarterback than Kirk Cousins is. I would I agree. Anti, I would agree. I'm I'm anti Kirk Cousins. I he's he's improved over the last couple of years where he's not as bad as I make him out to be. I still maintain the jokes because that's just how I'm built. Uh, but I call him Kirk Grossman because he's Rex Grossman to me. Uh, but the last the last couple of years he has definitely improved. But I I just don't see him as a quarterback. I mean. Kirk doesn't perform uh, under the spotlight, you know, the the night games and the prime time right. whenever they're featured, you know, those sorts of things. It's a long laundry list of reasons why I don't think he's one of the upper echelon quarterbacks in the league. Dak Prescott, I think, has proven on a big stage enough that he is capable of being that guy. He's not a top four or five quarterback but he's certainly in the group of quarterbacks that rotate between six and 12 and any given year, you're going to have a different group of those people. I mean, you live it. I Kyler love Murray, how you Kyler say, Murray, I love how you say that because yeah, I'm almost like your top two or three are set. And then everyone after that, it just is a mishmash of who who's yeah. performing better that year. I, I, I love exactly. that you said that. I don't hear it a whole lot, especially the yeah. off season where people's like, they're actually, they're all kind of the same depending on the year. Right. right. Dak Prescott threw 15 interceptions in 12 games last year. Um, oh, sorry. My headset is dying. Sorry. I heard our announcement. I thought I was in school or something. Somebody over the intercom uh, was telling me that my battery's dying, but Dak Prescott threw 15 interceptions in 12 games last year. Plus what he did uh, against San Francisco in the playoffs. And um, honestly, that puts him at the bottom of the list based on last year results. Um, but he is certainly capable of being that guy. We see it when you look at quarterbacks from the perspective of taking away. I know it's blasphemy to a lot of fans to take away turnovers, but it's such a small percentage of every play that the quarterback makes. It's like sacks with defensive ends. Sacks are the ones that get on ESPN. They make the highlights. They get, you know, they make the rounds on social media, but it's such a small percentage of whether or not a defensive end is good you can get pressures, you can do run stops, you can do all of those sorts of things that they don't get the accolades for. Quarterbacks and interceptions are pretty much the same way. You remember the interceptions, but it's only 3% of the throws they made. And Dak Prescott is really good on every other throw that he makes. He he actually, I mean, he was he cleared the field when it came to accuracy when throwing to open receivers. And that sounds funny, but that basically um 
puts it in a nutshell. The Cowboys don't have receivers that get open aside from CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. But whenever somebody was open, Dak Prescott lapped the field of NFL quarterbacks as far as accuracy to the open guys, finding the open guys, delivering the ball on time and things of that sort. So we've seen him do it. He just has to minimize those turnovers. And I think he's right back up there into a top seven or eight discussion again. Okay, before we move on to the offseason, just this question. Prime Tony, Tony Romo or prime Dak Prescott? Don't do this to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're tugging on my heartstrings, man. Um, I love Tony Romo. I, I, uh, he was given he they they for me. Tony was given teams that needed Peyton Manning, and he wasn't quite Peyton. Yes, <laughs> he was all he was just short of that. But like he was that good. But then you know he did a few, you know, just things you're like, oh crap. And because he's not Peyton Manning, that team was not built to succeed without that. Yeah, I, I think it's it, honestly it's a wash to me. I I think they are so similar in in they they both have clear shortcomings and they both have ceilings that if you put the right team around them and you get the right circumstances, they absolutely can win you a championship. And I think that's what you get out of that tier two quarterback, the guys that aren't consistently looked at as, oh, this guy is a surefire Hall of Famer. I, I think that's the ceiling of what you're going to get. If you don't have the great supporting cast around them, they're probably going to get you to wild card or divisional round. And if you get the perfect mix of talent around them, they are more than capable of winning that big game, performing in the clutch and doing everything that you ask of them. Coming up next on the Rise Up Series podcast, Mr. Ricardo's talk on the weather. Let's move to the offseason, free agency, and the draft. What do the Co- Co- Cowboys do there? What's coming up next on Rise Up Red? We're back on the Rise Up Red podcast, Best Our Cardinals talk on the web. Now moving on to the offseason moves, the free agency will start. Obviously, the, the, the two premier moves that we know that were made. One, goodbye, Ezekiel Elliott, and yep. franchising Tony Pollard, ultimately not coming up with a deal. Um, but yes, yeah, so starting with Elliott, how big a loss is that at this point in his career? Um, I know that, it, it, as we saw once again, you pay a big-time running back, and then the wheels fall off. It happens almost every single time. But how how rough was it? Or and it, Will his loss impact Dallas that much? I, I don't think people are giving it enough credit, uh, what Ezekiel Elliott did for the Cowboys. Uh, he was a clear leader. While Dak Prescott was kind of cutting his teeth in the league, uh, Elliott was the face of the franchise. And he's still well-revered as that leader. I mean, Dak Prescott obviously has incredible intangibles as far as a leader, but one B to his one A was Ezekiel Elliott when it came to the offense. And I think there's going to be missed. I think having that leader is going to be missed. And plus, I mean, the guy scores touchdowns. He was a short yardage monster. And Tony Pollard is somebody that for all of his accolades and for all of his talents, he's never been a bell cow back. He was never a lead rusher while he was at Memphis. He played, uh, you know, he split out wide more often than he was in the backfield while he was at Memphis. He didn't carry a full load while he was in high school. So the expectation that he is going to be able to move up from the 200 plus carries that he had last year and absorb the majority of Elliott's 230 carries. I think that's a pipe dream for fans that think it's going to be that way. And so the Cowboys didn't go out and get another star running back. They are starting to look at it as a committee type of situation. And you're going to have a mixture of either uh, Malik Davis, who's a UDFA, Rico Dowdle, who's a UDFA, uh, Deuce Vaughn, who was a six-round pick. 
and uh, they signed Ronald Jones in the offseason. Off I don't even think Ronald Jones is going to make the 53-man roster, personally. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's a name, but what has he done in the last couple of years when given the opportunity? Not much. So oh. I, I think they're going to miss Elliott uh, just because of the amount of workload he can do, and they don't have, right now, a proven short yardage back. Now, they do have a North Dakota State UDFA uh, fullback, Hunter Luepke. And I would probably look for him to be that pet cat, Novi sees him coming, but he could get three to four carries a game and become like a cult hero because he's going to get those short yardage opportunities. I don't see anybody else on the roster that can get that because you certainly don't want to waste Tony Pollard having him run up the gut and, you know, while there's eight men in the box and doing those sorts of things. So it'll be interesting how that plays out. Other losses, Connor McGovern, uh, Noah Brown, Luke Gifford, were any of those is McGovern's loss any real impact? Uh, the other guys, I, I'll be honest, Noah Brown and Luke Gifford are not names I recognize. So if that says much. No, it, it does say a lot because Noah Brown was our second wide receiver last year. So that circles back to my point oh. uh, about, about <laughs> the difficulties that Dak Prescott had. Uh, Michael Gallup was a shell of himself last season. Um, he was coming off of the ACL. He probably rushed back. So they really didn't have a compliment to um, – to C.D. Lamb on the outside, and Noah Brown took up a lot of that slack. And he had very infamous balls off of his hand, off of his chest interception. The pick six loss to Jacksonville in overtime was because the ball hit Noah Brown in the chest, and he fumbled it, and it popped up in the air, and they picked it off and ran it back for a touchdown in overtime. Yeah. Like, that goes on Dak Prescott's ledger, but that's absolutely the wide receiver's fault. <laughs> uh, so from that perspective, I'm not going to miss Noah Brown. He did his job. He was a blocking wide receiver who was thrust into a bigger role because of a lack of competition. Uh, but he's not a he's not a huge loss. Uh, he was replaced by Brandon Cooks, and I know you want to talk about you yes. know additions in a little bit. Uh, but Connor McGovern, he was serviceable. He wasn't very strong. He he never really got the requisite strength to be that left guard that you're looking for. Uh, but he was kind of forced into the situation because we lost Teron Smith early and uh, you know right before the season, and we had to shift the rookie Tyler Smith out to left tackle. So Connor McGovern filled in. He wasn't anticipating, anticipated to start. And so he played, but not a big loss. I don't think the Cowboys had really any major losses aside from Ezekiel Elliott in the off season. Dalton Schultz um, ends up with Houston. Um, yep. But the additions, the big name additions, uh, Stefan Gilmore, Brandon Cooks. Yep. How, how impactful are those guys going to be? Obviously Cooks, who is... When he's engaged, really good. Yeah. Will he stay engaged in with the Cowboys? Do you think? At least, well, I, I would guess that probably at least year one. Right. So when you look at Brandon Cooks, and I'm I'm glad you said year one because when you look at Brandon Cooks and you look at all of the stops that he made, year one, Brandon Cook always seems to make a splash. He is he was phenomenal uh, in the second year as, with the Saints once he got his feet you know feet wet under him, uh, 1100 yards first year with the. Um, Patriots, he had uh, over a thousand yards. First year with the Rams, he had twelve hundred yards. First year with Houston, he had over eleven hundred yards. So you would anticipate that if he has anything left in the tank, uh, he is definitely going to do that for the Cowboys. You can't blame somebody for being disinterested with what happened the last two years in Houston. And he still performed in year two in Houston. But last year, everybody knew that they were a tanking team. Uh, Lovey Smith obviously wrecked their plans. Uh, shout out to Lovey. I love the fact that he just said, you know, screw everybody and we're going to win this last game. I don't care about the number one pick because I'm not going to be here to reap the benefits. Uh, but I, I think that's the easily... That's the easy way to explain what happened to him last year in Houston. Uh, but there is a chance 
that he's washed, that, you know, he doesn't have the same speed. I mean, nine years in the league for a burner speed is probably the first thing to go for most people. So there's a consideration that he isn't going to be what the Cowboys hope for him to be. There's always a risk. Same way with Stephon Gilmore. He bounced back with Indianapolis last year and had, you know, a, a remarkable season for a future Hall of Famer. What if that was his last hurrah? And the Cowboys have all these plans to have him be the compliment to Trevon Diggs on the outside, and he's washed. So I think they made smart decisions in not going big in free agency and finding guys that they could sign for good money but no guaranteed money. I think that was very big for the Cowboys. They don't like paying guaranteed money to other people's players. They, they reserve guaranteed money for their own guys. That's just how they operate. But they've got guys for low-value, low-pedigree draft picks who have the potential and have a proven track record to be stars, and let's see if it works out. And if not, then they punt on both of those guys and they move away from them after one season and on to the next batch. Uh, NFL draft. Obviously, they go being as successful as they were in 2022. They have late round, late picks in each round. Their first selection, a guy that I thought is low-key pretty good, um, yeah. Mozzie Smith out of, out of Michigan defensive tackle, and then followed up with tight end out of Michigan. Another Michigan guy, Luke Schoonmaker, basically giving you another big interior guy and Dalton Schultz replacement, right? Yep. I love the Mozzie Smith pick, not too enamored with Schoonmaker. Um, I know everybody said deep tight end draft. The guy that you're getting, the number five tight end, would have been the number two tight end in the previous year or next year or whatever the case may be. It's still the number five tight end. I don't. I don't have much. Much. I don't have much expectations for him. I'm actually a lot more uh, intrigued to see whether or not Jake Ferguson, who is Barry Alvarez's uh, son-in-law or nephew or you know third cousin, twice removed, um, out of Wisconsin. I'm much more interested to see how he develops uh, because I think they have something in him. And the Cowboys are going to do a lot of two tight end sets. Uh, they have another guy, Peyton Hendershot, out of Indiana. Uh, he got in some trouble, so he was undrafted, but he has a talent to be like a third or fourth round pick. So I, I like the fact that they have a stable. And Dalton Schultz was – I said they didn't have any losses. Dalton Schultz was a loss. Uh, his production, his camaraderie, his vibes that he has with Dak Prescott will be missed. Uh, but he is not an uber-athletic guy that does a lot after the catch. He got what was there, but he was very good at getting what's there in the offense. So the Cowboys will probably take a step back in their tight end production, uh, but I don't look for Schoonmaker to be that guy in year one, maybe year two, but I just, I don't know. He's injured. He showed up to all-season work in a walking boot. Like, oh. he, he has an injury history. He's just, like, and, and they said it wasn't serious, but, I mean, you're first on the job and you're unable to do your job. So oh, and you miss all the off-season reps, which is really difficult. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, but I'm really excited about Smith because I think that anybody that Dan Quinn likes is is aces with me. I mean, that guy is such a defensive line guru. If that's the guy that he was pounding the table for, I absolutely believe him when he says that he has untapped potential just with a couple technique tweaks in order to be a pass rusher, even at that mammoth size. So I'm very excited about that pick. From rounds three through seven of those selections, who do you think has a chance to make some sort of impact this year? And who are the guys that are projects and or, you know, bit pieces down the line? So the Cowboys, um, I really like Deuce Vaughn because he is he had such high production at Kansas State, and he's so small. So you just root for a guy. Like, I mean, he really looks like Darren Sproles 
revisited. And I mean, that's really high accolade that you can give to somebody that when you watch them, they remind you of Darren Sproles. We all know what kind of career he carved out in the league. Uh, there is a uh, cornerback named Eric Scott Jr. who was taken uh, on day three. The Cowboys last year picked Deron Bland out of Fresno State in the fifth round, and he ended up having five interceptions leading the team. He came in halfway through the year when um, when Jordan Lewis got injured, played the slot. Phenomenal pick. The way that they talked about Deron Bland's as a first impression during offseason work is how they talked about Eric Scott. So while right now the cornerback room is very crowded for the Cowboys, that's kind of the pick that even if it doesn't happen this year, just because of lack of opportunity, Eric Scott is kind of the day three guy that I'm super excited about. There's also a UDFA, Isaiah Land. He is a linebacker out of Florida A&M. Uh, he's going to be the defensive end hybrid, kind of like what they had Michael Parsons doing originally before he moved more full-time DE. Uh, but he kind of has that magic to him. But smaller school probably takes him a little while to get acclimated. But I have a lot of high hopes for him as well. Uh, some of the receivers that Dallas picked up as UDFAs, it's weird that I'm talking about UDFA so much, but that's kind of what Dallas does. Tony Romo, UDFA, Cole Beasley, like they do UDFA very well. Uh, Miles Austin, UDFA, you know, that that's kind of what they do in Dallas. They, they find those guys. So I'm excited about them. I, I talked about Luepti earlier from North Dakota State. I, I really like the depth that Dallas got out of this draft class. And let's face it, with all these contracts coming up, they're going to need these rookies and second-year guys to be integral uh, in their development because the Cowboys are going to have to let people walk. They just have too many big-name people at big-name positions that are going to cost a lot of money. So some of these guys have to hit in order to keep the roster filled out. Coming up next on the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast, best of Cardinals talk of the web. We move on to look ahead to 2023. What is expected? What can the Cowboys do? That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast, best of Cardinals talk of the web. The Cardinals face the Cowboys at home in week three. I have that marked off as a no chance win, uh, no chance game, because mainly because. I don't think Kyler's going to be back till at least week five. I think it'll be week five, week right. six. And if you're playing Colt McCoy against um, that defense and you're putting that defense up against that Cowboys offense, good luck. Um, but aside from that, what are the expectations for the Cowboys this season? First and foremost, don't write off Colt McCoy against the Cowboys. Texas boy. Loves to play them. Y'all, you're, you're, you guys are at home, so you know he won't be able to perform in front of his home crowd. But we know very well not to underestimate a Colt McCoy team. <laughs> well, he's burned uh, us before. At least this time, it's not Kyler at AT and T Stadium where he's literally never lost. <laughs> we just have bad mojo when it comes to y'all quarterbacks. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. So I, I, I appreciate your enthusiasm in saying that you know it's a no chance, but. I'm nervous about every game and there's just something about the Cardinals. Like you said, um, you know, they feel, or they always feel disrespected against the Cowboys from, you know, NFC East days back before, you know, they tried to fix the alignment. Um, I remember Jake Plummer, my guy. So yeah. I, I, I still have wounds from Cardinals <laughs> games. Okay. Um, but yeah, expectation for the Cowboys are they're right there with the Eagles. I mean, if you're going to say that the Eagles are the favorites to repeat I don't know how you don't look at it as being a three-headed monster between the Eagles, 49ers, and the Cowboys in the NFC. Right. Uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is gone now. Detroit's an interesting team. Uh, Minnesota got handled in the playoffs by a faux Giants team. Like, the Giants aren't good. And they got they got handled at home by the Giants. So, I, I don't trust them. Um, 
there's always going to be one or two surprise teams in the in the division in the conference. That's what makes it fun that you just have a team that you didn't expect to be there that gives everybody fits. I think the Cowboys are. I mean, it's one A, B, and C between all of them. And and if the Purdy magic wears off, then it's probably just whoever wins the NFC East is going to be the favorite. And again, the Cowboys have owned the Eagles. So it's it's really hard to say that the Eagles are anywhere, you know, far and above. I think the Eagles had a great draft. I think they had a great draft last year, but those guys didn't really perform in year one. They didn't get a lot of reps. The um, uh, What's the big boy's name? Uh, Jordan Davis yeah. and Nicobe Dean and those guys. Um, so I think they're going to be much improved in year two, and we're going to have to look out for that, you know, that uh, sophomore class. But they will be playing uh, with, I, with a new with the new defensive coordinator, which is going to be interesting to see new, how that change. Yep. New offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. So it's because uh, uh, the uh, Shane Stricken Stricken mm-hmm. went to the Colts, uh, and you guys got Gannon. So yeah, there there could be a lot of turmoil or you know bumps in the road for the Eagles. And if the Cowboys jump out there, you know uh, the the beginning of the schedule. I mean, they have Aaron Rodgers on there, but those first four games all seem winnable to start off 4-0 uh, before they get into the meat of the schedule where they got the 49ers and the Chargers, and then they get a bye week. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a blockbuster schedule until you get to the tail end of the season. Uh, and so you never know what happens, but yeah, Buffalo in December, Miami in December, Detroit, uh, ended Washington. That's on the heels of the Eagles game. I can see the Cowboys doing 12 wins again for the third year in a row. Um, 14 feels like a stretch. But if that they kind of like through, their, their regular season ceiling, if, if everything went their way. Exactly. 14 is the ceiling for me. I mean, there's going to be losses in there, uh, but I don't see them winning less than 10. I don't see any like even with injuries, 10 and seven is a floor for this team. There's just too much talent. I mean, we haven't even discussed Michael, Michael Parsons yet. You know, uh, so there's just too much talent on that team to win less than 10 games. Uh, but yeah, 14 is the ceiling. And honestly, I'll they, pencil they, them they, in at a game. Like, they have the five. ceiling to win a Super Bowl. So I, I can see yeah. they, they could be champions or, or but you don't you, you really don't see a, a scenario in which where they don't make the postseason. That would be a very big disappointment. And we would be they, they'd be cleaning shop. It would be Mike McCarthy. If they don't make the playoffs, Mike McCarthy is absolutely out the door. They're going to give the job to Dan Quinn and figure out a new offense. That, that's just all there is to it. They fired Kellen Moore. I mean, they mutually parted ways. I'm doing air quotes <laughs> for those listening. They fired Kellen Moore. Uh, he's in San Diego now or Los Angeles with the Chargers. Uh, and it's Mike McCarthy's team. He's going to be calling the plays. He's designing the offense with Brian Schottenheimer, your old friend from Seattle days. Uh, so it'll, it'll be very interesting to see what tweaks they make. Uh, but they absolutely are our playoff bound unless catastrophe happens. So uh, I, I usually end the show um, kind of asking how Cowboys fans view the game against the Cardinals. It sounds like at least those who pay attention some, while it looks on paper like a game they should win handily, there's always just a touch of worry. Always. Like, they're, 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 I, I wouldn't put the Cardinals... I definitely chalked them up as a win, but I didn't put the Cardinals in the category of the Carolina Panthers where I say they should, they should put up, that might be their first 50 burger of the season. You know, like that Cardinals defense though, the, let me tell you, and you, you know, you know, the best defensive lineman that they have is Carlos Watkins. Yeah. That's our guy. (laughs) I know. He's a nice player. (laughs) 
He's a nice but. player. There's no way he should be your best defensive lineman. Right. Yeah, y'all y'all are dealing with a lot of turnover. I mean, obviously Watt retired. Um, you know, no no more Chandler. You know, those days are gone and uh, tough times in the desert, man. I'm uh, I'm sorry, but I I still just I I still can't bring myself to just say that's going to be right. You know, the thirty point win on the road. Like I, I will be heartbroken if we don't beat Carolina by thirty. If we get if we escape from Arizona, I'm not betting an eyelid because that's just one of those. It's just one of those games. It's a rivalry game. Yeah. I mean, regardless of whether Cowboys fans feel it, I know that the Cardinals get up for the Cowboys. So. I'm just expecting it to be, you know, a closer game than a lot of people. And definitely what Vegas is going to set the line at. Yeah. So I, I do the in fairness, like you talk about Colt McCoy, I think the Cardinals sneak their one win with him playing against the Giants. And because it's oh. a home in week two home opener, so the car, so there'll be a little bit extra juice in the building. Yeah. And that that'll be the can then the fact that the Giants, I think, got as good as they could possibly be last year. They're frauds. frauds. Got everything out of them they could have. <laughs> So if, if you want to get me on a rant, ask me how I feel about Dayball not going to get him a real quarterback. I was like, you created magic out of thin air with Daniel Jones. Walk away and go get you a real quarterback. But they gave him $40 million. So more power to them. Thank you. We appreciate it. So, yeah, I'd love to see the Cardinals beat them in week two. Please do that. Yeah, but I, I have I, I think I, I think Kyler comes back about week six. Uh, okay. and, but I do, honestly, I think that the Cardinals are going to exceed that their win total. I think six-ish wins, is I think, is going to be kind of the sweet spot because he's going to come back relatively early. And with Kyler, that offense is nice. It's not right. it's like crazy, but it's it's nice. And the, 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 right. I think late by the midseason, this undermanned defense will be coached up to be scrappy competitive with Gannon. And so... so, so- let me ask you this question. What is the thought in Arizona about Gannon? Because Philly wasn't sad to see him go. Like Philly fans were not upset that he walked. <laughs> he's, I love him. Um, okay. I, I love the, the mentality he's brought. He's brought a new vibe. His, his intensity is like Jim Harbaugh, but he's not an a-hole. Like Jim Harbaugh's okay. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh's bit grows very weary to player because he's very right, annoying. Right. But Gannon has that same competitive intensity with every, like everything's a competition, and okay. he's got a compassionate side to the players where where he's really trying to cater to the players. And I think Kyler has will as competitive as Kyler is. I think that connection is there um, because he makes and, every, and he makes everything competitive. And so I think they they will get. They will take an undermanned roster and overachieve a little bit, allowing them to then be players, as much players as they can be, and to be really much more competitive in 2024. I'm, I'm excited about that. That'll be interesting because I, I think Kyler has so much talent. If he buys in with a coach, I think you guys and I think, I, I think it's quickly. going to be great because I, I think yeah. some of his aloofness came from, I call it he's... He's not Kobe, but he's at that type of mentality where okay. if your intensity doesn't match his intensity, then he doesn't. It has nothing to do with you. Yep. Right. Right. Yep. yep. I but... can see it. I can definitely see that. <laughs> so, Katie, you're over at Cowboys Wire. Uh, what other stuff can my listeners find you at? 
So I took a little bit of a break on my podcast. I have Catch This Fade podcast. Uh, we were rocking on many platforms, Patreon for the last three years, uh, but I've kind of taken a break. I will be uh, bringing back the Catch This Fade podcast videos on YouTube uh, for the season. So if you have time, uh, we're going to start sometime during training camp and start to do regular episodes there. So if you're on YouTube, uh, just do a search for Catch This Fade podcast with KD Drummond. Uh, you can find me there. I'm obviously on Twitter at KD Drummond NFL uh, for as long as Elon Musk allows that thing to still <laughs> exist uh but i will be uh doing a lot of work on spoutable that is the new social media platform that i will be landing on once twitter dies uh so find me under the same twitter uh same handle kd drummond nfl all right man thank you so much for the time that wraps up this edition uh, this edition of the rise of Red podcast best our cardinals talk on the web um i think we will have one or two more shows after this one but we are nearing the end we'll be back with regular shows very very soon katie thanks for your time appreciate it man all right brother anytime thanks for listening to the latest edition of the rise up sea red podcast listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on apple podcasts stitcher radio audioboom or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show we'll be back soon for the best hour of cardinals talk on the web Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.